Hello and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. This podcast features interviews and discussions about everything from career and wellness to friendship and social issues and beyond. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in today. Hello, hello, and welcome to the That's My Truth podcast. I'm your host, Juliana, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today, whether it's your first time or your returning listener. So today, I am thrilled to announce that I interviewed Emily from Emily Eats. She is someone I've followed for several years now, and I myself am not a vegan or plant-based, but I have made many of Emily's recipes over the years. Um, She is just a really cool person who I've admired from afar and chatting with her was just a delight. So um, before I turn it over to the interview, I want to talk about the show and ways that you can support it. If you're loving the show, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. So you can follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. You can also leave us a review if you are liking the show. Um, You can rate or review. And you can also share an episode with a friend. So those are three ways to show show the podcast some support. And thank you to everyone who has shown support so far. I really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. So I will turn it over to Emily. And as a reminder, all of the information that she shares will be included in the show notes. I hope you love this interview with Emily. So I'll turn it over. Hi, Emily. Thanks so much for joining today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, I've been a longtime follower and fan, so it's nice to officially meet you. To start us off, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Emily Abair. I run a blog called emilyeats.com. It's a vegan food blog that I've run for oof, five and a half years now. So that is my job. But uh, I started when I was 19, so I've been in college since I started it, got a bachelor's in mass communications, and then uh, went on to get my master's in nutrition, food science and nutrition. Um, And then now I'm currently in my dietetic internship, um, which is a year long, and I'll be a dietitian in the next like few months, like this summer, which is crazy. So uh, yeah, food blogger, almost dietitian. That's about it. Awesome. And congratulations, because didn't you just graduate with your master's? Yeah, I got my master's in uh, technically the summer because uh, it took me forever to do my thesis. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I got my degree in the summer. Um, It's January right now when we're recording. And so I started my dietetic internship in August and I'll be done around May. So um, hopefully this summer. And then after that, I'll take the RD exam, um, which is the last step to become a dietitian. So hopefully this summer I can finally put RD behind my name, which has been like a six, a seven year process. Yeah. That's so exciting. Very cool. Yes. Um, I'm curious, what, what do you plan to do with your RD? Like I'm assuming you want to do dietetics, but um, how does it fit with like Emily Eats? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would like to continue doing Emily Eats. Um, I would love to, you know, keep running it as a food blog, maybe incorporate some more kind of nutrition focused content. Um, and, but I also really love nutrition counseling. Like I love doing one-on-one counseling. 
Um, that's actually what I'm doing in my rotation right now. My internship rotation is shadowing a lot of counseling appointments. And I just, I love it so much. <laughs> I always say if I go back to school, which I'm not planning on, but if I get bored later, <laughs> um, I'll go back for counseling or therapy. Cause I just, I love like just talking to people and walking them through, especially nutrition stuff. So I would actually love to get like a part-time job somewhere to do nutrition counseling. Um, so that I can like really practice my skills and just build up my uh, knowledge around nutrition counseling while also doing Emily Eats, which thankfully I have a lot more help with now. So I don't have to do every single thing, which is nice. Oh, that's very cool. I'm sure you can find part-time, right? Like with hospitals and different clinics. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, I really like my rotation right now. So I'm like, kind of going above and beyond for all of my projects because I'm like please just give me like 10 to 20 hours a week I really like I really just really just like the dietitians and I like the approach that they take with nutrition and um so yeah that's kind of kind of my my goals you know for coming out of the um coming out of the internship I'm just really excited to have RD behind my name and finally say like I'm a dietitian like it's kind of hard to explain to people like what the dietetic internship is, but you, and you studied nutrition, but you're not yet a dietitian. And what is the difference between a dietitian and nutritionist? So I feel like there's a lot of like nuance to it. So it's, it'll just be easy to be like, yeah, I'm a registered dietitian. Yeah, definitely. So I wanted to start off by talking about nutrition because I know that you are a plant-based blogger and dietitian yeah. soon to be. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious, what are some of your favorite parts of being plant-based? Ooh, um, I mean, the best part is knowing that you are not, for the most part, not contributing to the suffering of animals. Um, I say most part because we, like, it's not possible to be 100% vegan, right? Like, we're all going to, you know, eat something that's, like, accidentally not vegan or take medication that had to be tested on animals at some point, and that's just living in the real world. But, um, you know, as, like, a super animal lover you know, that makes me happy, um, knowing that I'm, you know, doing what I can to, you know, eat in a way that's environmentally sustainable. Um, and yeah, so just, you know, knowing that I'm doing the best I can to like, reduce the suffering in the world, because um, there's a lot of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I think I've always been a foodie. I've always love cooking. I'm from the South. So food is like literally everything. Um, but being vegan has made me even more creative and especially blogging, because it's like, if you want to make something, you have to figure out like what you're going to use to make it, you know, it's, it's not just like, you can't just go get a box from the store. You can't just like get the thing at a normal restaurant. Like you have to figure out like what is, what ingredients would like replicate this texture, replicate this taste. And, and I, I think I've just been exposed to a lot of different flavors and cuisines and, you know, it's always exciting. Yeah, definitely a lot of spice experimentation. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would imagine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, so I've been following you for a few years and I think you mentioned mm -hmm. like your blog anniversary is the same day as like your vegan, I'm making up words, but veganversary? <laughs> it's around the same. So okay. um, I went vegan in June of 2015 and started my blog in August of 2015. 
So it's it's the same year. Um, That's also the year that I cut off my hair. Like I had long hair my entire life. And ever since then, it's been short. So I'm like, geez, in 2015, I was just like going through some stuff. (laughs) Or just like feeling very like kind of transformative, I guess. Um, I was I was 19. So literally, who knows what I was thinking back then? Um, Not like I'm much older now. (laughs) But um, yeah, so they're pretty close together. Um, So what was it that inspired you to go vegan? Yeah, I watched a documentary called Cowspiracy, which is about, you know, the environmental impacts of animal agriculture. And I had been dabbling in like some plant-based stuff and I was kind of accidentally vegetarian at the time because I lived in a dorm and I was like, well, I don't want to eat the factory farmed meat in the dining hall because I was on a meal plan at the time. And so I just kind of like just naturally stopped eating meat and like organic meat is like $8 a pound. And I was like, I'm an 18 year old in college. I can't afford that. And so I was really just buying like hard boiled eggs and some cheese. So it's not like I went completely from like eating McDonald's burgers every day to like being vegan. Um, And I also grew up, um, I'm from South Louisiana and I grew up on a lot of beans and rice. Um, a lot of like skewed vegetables. So I also, I feel like people have a weird relationship with beans, um, but I always liked beans. Um, and they, you know, so it, was, it wasn't easy or it wasn't hard for me to switch to that as like my main source of protein. So um, yeah, but it's just the environmental impact really stuck with me just because I come from, um, you know, a mom who was very environmentally conscious. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, okay. So I am interested in knowing, um, okay. Sorry. Sometimes I just blab before the question. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I wanted to transition to kind of the Emily Eats space. Yeah. And, um, so I'm curious, how has your outlook on food and nutrition evolved mm-hmm. since you started Emily Eats? God, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I have definitely gone through ups and downs with my relationship with food and my body. And I see that in the recipes that I made for the blog and the language that I used in a lot of the blog posts. And that's actually like a, uh, I just hired another contractor to work on the blog. And I think that's one of the projects that I'm going to have her do is like either decide that we want to remove those recipes or adjust them because I just use like very diet culture language and like ah, the vegan space was very interesting in like 2015 2016 like a lot of like just super restrictive stuff so um when I started the blog I was just so excited that about being vegan right because it was like a couple months after I went vegan and I was just so excited and I was like I'm making all these things and I like want to share them and then shortly after that I went on like a really restrictive diet um, and which I had done for a couple of years at that point, just like the, it sucks that it's typical, but the typical like up and down, you know? Um, and I had gone on a really restrictive diet and um, like, I remember making recipes for the blog and then like giving them away to friends, um, which is sad, but uh, that kind of like was my lowest point with disordered eating. And Ooh, that was 2016. I was, I saw a dietitian um, 
I went to therapy, which, and I still go to therapy now. And it was like a two year process to like get to a place where like food was, I had finally, I feel like eliminated a lot of those food rules that I had set for myself and come to like a really good place with my body. And you know, the journey didn't stop there. Like it's still continuing to this day, but I just feel like such a better place with it. Um, but managing a food blog during that was interesting because you are dealing with food all the time and you're looking at food all the time, trying to come up with ideas. And, um, you know, in some hands, I do think it made it worse um, because I had to think about food all the time. Like it was my job at that point, it had become a full-time job. So now it was like an obligation, a responsibility. Um, and, uh, yeah, so in some ways I do think it made it worse, but also, um, I, in the process of coming out of disordered eating and, and figuring out my relationship with my body, I had to like really face food and all the rules that I had set with it and having to make food all the time and look at it all the time and think about it for work kind of made me do that. And then I'd say I hit a point, and if anyone has listening has ever struggled with disordered eating, you probably know what I'm talking about. Like when you're in it, you that's what all you think about. You think about food, what you're going to eat next, what you just ate, if you're guilty, um, how many calories you're going to eat. You know, it's all the time. And I and then from there, it switched to only listening to like recovery podcasts and reading recovery blogs and thinking about, do I have enough on my plate? And that, and then, so it was like, I went from think it did change, but I was still thinking about all the, all the time. And I hit this point where I was like, I'm so goddamn tired of thinking about it all the time. I need like hobbies. I need other things to think about. And that was the point where I could finally, I mean, it took a while. It wasn't just that point, but um, I could separate like this is food for work and like food for life and food for life doesn't have to like take a ton of time. Like it's just easy, throw something together, whatever. And I can look at food for work and, you know, even now years later, just like, it's just work, you know, I can look at it and it, you know, doesn't, I don't have like triggering thoughts or anything like that. So yeah, it is interesting to look at how those two things have evolved together and you can you can see that on the recipes on my blog. Like they're much more balanced and fun and not so like restrictive now because they got to a place where, you know, you can see that I was adhering to some food rules. So would you say that the blog, I guess, kind of made you face those, mm. like kind of having to deal with that rather than yeah. avoid it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely had to. And then also in that time, I decided that I wanted to become a dietitian. Like I was studying mass communication and I, you know, was planning to graduate early, get a PR job in Chicago and, you know, live my merry life. But I was like, I actually really want to do nutrition. And maybe some of that did come from disordered eating. That's not an uncommon experience for people to be experiencing that and then decide they want to study nutrition. Um, it's actually fairly common, unfortunately, but I'm glad that I got help and recovered when I did, because then I went through my master's program pretty free of that disordered eating. Um, and I got really lucky with my program. No one 
in my program really seem to be, you know, seem to struggle with disorder, disordered eating and everyone was just very like cool around food. And, you know, I always joke that like <laughs> a dinner party with dietitians is the best because we, you know, a lot of us are actually very relaxed around food and we understand that food is not the most important thing to help. Um, but, but yeah, so the food blog and then um, going to school for nutrition or thinking about it really made me, you know, be like, I gotta, I gotta fix this. And also just, I was tired. Like, like, you know, when you're in it, that it's just like not the way to live. Um, But, you know, sometimes you just need professional help. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you saying that because I think right now, at least there's a big push for therapy, but not Mm -hmm. always as it's connected to like food issues. And so I, yeah, I just appreciate sometimes like you need professional help. Sometimes you need to take medication. Like that's, you know, you got to do what's best for you to fix the issue. 100%. And if I hadn't gone to a dietitian, if I hadn't started therapy at that time, and I've I've gone to therapy now at this point for a lot of different things. I mean, mostly like probably anxiety related, but um, you know, at the time it was like to work out food and body image stuff. Um, But if I hadn't done that at the time, I don't know where I would be. Like, I don't, I don't know if I would have completely gotten over it on my own. Like maybe, um, it just maybe would have taken a little bit longer. And, you know, I think there is something just about just letting it out to a complete stranger um, who's like paid to listen to you. Like it just feels, you know, I know I struggle with like feeling like I emotionally dump on the people around me. Um, So, you know, going to therapy or seeing a dietitian was just really helpful because I was like, this is my time that I can just like dump all my stuff onto them. And that's like, that's their job. Right. So, um, yeah, but I know that those things are, can be inaccessible, but thankfully I was in school. And so I could see, um, a dietitian and a therapist for free through my student health network. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so building off of that question and topic, Mm -hmm. um, I know that you've posted like TikToks or reels of, the wouldn't want to be anyone else like talking about celery juice and things like that (laughs) (laughs) which people did not like that one oh no (laughs) well I thought it was funny well people so the thing with reels is that like it's very easy for people who don't follow you to find those and people who follow me at this point because I've been talking about you know misinformation or even like politics I've been talking about those things for years so at this point I don't really have any one who is like very into celery juice left but uh yeah the celery juice stands found that and they did not like it so <laughs> <laughs> um so in general what are some changes you'd like to see in the nutrition and wellness space Ooh. um i'd like to see kind of dietitians become kind of like the fourth the people in the forefront. Um, I got a question once that was like, do you ever get worried about dietitians, like fellow dietitians spreading misinformation? And I was like, I mean, we all kind of have our own ways of approaching nutrition and ways of practicing, but in general, we all like know what's cool and what's not. And we don't, we know to not make grandiose claims. And I was like, it's not the dietitians I'm worried about. It's the people with no credentials or the, um, 
quote unquote credentials that, that they got in like a six month online certification. Um, those are the people that I'm most worried about. So I just like for dietitians to be like kind of the first thing you think about when you think of like health and wellness influencers. Um, that's, that's a, would be a great change. <laughs> um, because we're the ones that have to clean up the mess, you know, people are then come to, hopefully they come to us and they're like, Hey, is this a thing? And we're like, no, like you don't waste your money. Don't waste your time. Like, um, you know, that's, that's my big thing. I don't want people to waste their money on products. They're just obsessed about every little thing. Um, what else I would love, I'd love to see it become more diverse. Still just a lot of white women that's for dietetics as well. We're a not diverse, uh, industry field. Um, but wellness influencers for sure, because then, you know, it becomes this like whitewash definition of health and it's drinking celery juice and it's, um, you know, doing yoga and even though yoga is like a very traditional practice. But now when you think of yoga, you think of like a white woman and movie women. Um, and yeah, I would just like to see a bigger, a bigger focus on like overall rather than like specific products and like specific things and just like kind of an overall picture of, of health. Yeah, those are great. Um, I feel like they're very big changes, right? Like <laughs> I know. They're like, again, it's like the systematic changes that we need in everything, which mm-hmm. are the hardest. But like, if we don't say them out loud, that it's something that we want to change, then I don't think they're ever going to change, right? Like, if I just yeah. say, I want people to stop, like, I mean, this is true, but I want people to stop saying that, like, collagen fixes your gut. Like, great. That's like kind of an easy thing. Um, but I would just like to speak it into the universe that like, (laughs) hopefully we can just continue to work through these changes. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So what do you do to make Emily Eats a more inclusive space? Ooh, good question. Um, I try to use, as far as recipes, I really try to use things that, are affordable and accessible. Um, thankfully, we're seeing more vegan products like vegan cheeses and stuff. You know, I see them in like Walmart or Target, you know. Um, but I I grew up like way down the bayou in Louisiana and I had this little grocery store that we lived behind and we had like the produce section was probably like 20 feet long like that was it in the fridge and didn't have a lot of specialty products. Like, I mean, my mom still lives there and they didn't get like quinoa until like 2019, you know? Um, So I just try to think about like, what would I, what would I have had access to, you know, when I'm living at home? Um, When I make recipes that are inspired by other cultures, and this is something that I'm, definitely getting better at and that I have messed up on in the past. And again, just going back and updating those, trying to not use, okay, let's say, um, I'm trying to think of an example, like a pho. Like, I don't know how to make pho. Like I'm a white girl from the, from Louisiana. So I'm probably not going to even try to make that. Um, If I do make something along those lines, not titling pho, um, 
maybe like describing it by the flavor. So like, I don't know, savory, you know, noodles and savory broth to just give a quick example and just making sure to, to pay homage to where that recipe comes from, where the inspiration comes from in the post, just making sure that we're giving credit where credit is due and not trying to take credit for things that I, you know, are not part of my culture that I don't know how to make, but that I do respect and enjoy making. Um, and then also, and this is more applicable to Instagram where I'm like more personal and talk, um, just consistently reiterating <laughs> what my values are and what the values of Emily Eats are as a business, um, just to make sure that we don't have people in the community that don't live by those values, because it is, it is a community. And, um, you know, I want people to know that like, they're safe here, like we have hard conversations we talk about you know hard stuff but we stand for like inclusivity and being like anti-racist and um you know pro lgbtq plus um and you know just making sure that everyone feels like they have a safe space um and then also just as i just keep adding to the team just making sure that i'm um making sure that it's not just like a bunch of white girls that look like me um, and donating to organizations that we care about. Um, that's actually my next question. Like what are causes that you're most passionate about? Yeah. Um, I'd say, <laughs> I know this is like a big one, but in general, just like debunking misinformation. I know that's not really like a cause, but I just feel like it is so relevant in the COVID times and important um, in nutrition. And they all stem from the same things or like they all lead down the same path. And like someone may get interested in celery juice or um, keto or biohacking, which I, I just saw a story about that. So that's why that word is in my brain, but it, they just tend to lead down the same path. You start in those communities. And this is what happened with me with veganism. Like I got into the vegan community and it was so diety that I internalized those beliefs. So that's what people do when they get into like nutrition misinformation. It's not hard to go down, you know, anti-modern medicine, anti-vaccine, um, pro treatments and therapies that have no scientific back backing that can actually be really harmful, um, anti-birth control, and, and then you keep going down into even more harmful things. Um, so I think just in general, just debunking misinformation as best I can. Um, as far as other causes, um, an organization that we donate to is called Youth Breakout. It's an organization in New Orleans, which I'm about an hour away from New Orleans. That's where I grew up, so it feels close to home. Um, that is trying to improve the lives of LGBTQ plus brown and black kids in New Orleans. So providing them a space to be and a space to be safe and just providing support for them. So we're monthly donors of that organization. Um, and yeah, just in general, just like we just want to be inclusive. We want to be pro evidence-based clients. Um, yeah. I love that. I mean, that's part of the reason that 
I've been following you um, just because it's also like always entertaining when you, you know, knock celery juice and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, like, well, I do get messages that are like, you know, I fell down this rabbit hole and this, you know, really, this really, you know, made me think twice about it. But, you know, in general, a lot of those times it's like the people who need to see it, like they're not open to seeing it. But, you know, we just keep pushing and keep putting stuff out there like that just so, you know, maybe people will see it. Definitely. Um, okay, so let's see. What is your favorite part of running Emily Eats? I know that this is, I just am really proud and surprised. Just like, it's just so cool to look back and see like this little bitty blog that I started when I was 19 with like a an $25 Etsy logo that I bought, um, like turned into this business that allows me to support myself, allows me to contribute to the community through donations or, you know, whatever it might be, um, allows me to support like my family and my friends, you know, hire people. Like that has been the coolest thing. Even if it, you know, I don't have any other full-time employees. I'm the only one, but just to be able to like hire women and know that you're like providing a good job for them has been the coolest thing and I just I get so excited about building the brand and starting other little businesses because I just I, I want to hire women like it's just so cool that you know we can build this team of strong women strong diverse women um, and they don't have to like do a job that they maybe don't like because I'm able to like provide them a, a cool job I just think that that is like it, it's truly just such an honor I get very emotional when I talk about it because it, it feels like an honor that like this little bitty thing has been able to like help someone like support their kids or whatever it might be. And it's, it's helped me support my own, you know, myself and my family. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, and I guess I should also say like, congratulations, because I know oh. like, you have Emily Eats and then you also have um, both the cats, <laughs> but you also yeah. have... <laughs> But you also have the, I think you just changed the name. It used to be Food Pinstitute. Yeah, it, yeah. so it was Food Pinstitute, and mm -hmm. now it is the Food Blog Academy. So that is kind of like our Say My Side Hustle, which is funny because Emily Eats used to be my side hustle. And yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'll ever not have a side hustle, which when I think about it, I'm like, oh, that's so exhausting. <laughs> Why can't you just do one thing? But I guess it's just my nature. Um, but yeah, it just... Um, it's just really cool. Do you have any other, like you talked about other side businesses mm -hmm. or other, yeah, other businesses that you want to start? Do you want to, do you have any ideas that you want to share? Yeah. Well, so Emily Eats is the blog and then we have the Food Blog Academy, um, which teaches other food bloggers how to build their blog and then grow it into a profitable business. Um, and that, I guess that kind of goes with like being able to support women you know, because we've run Food Institute, which was the old name. We ran it three times and people got great results and started getting paid sponsorship. And it's like, we're helping women like become financially uh, independent. Like that's so cool. <laughs> like we need more, you know, especially right now. Um, I saw something that 
in December, the U.S. lost like 140,000 jobs and they were all women. Like what? How did, and then men like gained 15,000 jobs because of course they did. Um, so I just think it's so cool that, you know, I'm able to, you know, or the team really is able to teach other women how to, to build their blog. So that, and then I'd love to see that grow and um, become a business on its own and not just a side hustle. And then I would love one day to kind of start a private practice, um, like a nutrition private practice and see one-on-one clients, hire other dietitians to build the practice, um, to see one-on-one clients, have some group programs, because um, the one-on-one can be kind of inaccessible, you know, it's expensive um, if you don't take insurance, even if you do take insurance. So, um, yeah, and then I always say, like, you know, if, if at 50, I'm bored, like, I'll also become a real estate agent. Like, <laughs> I love houses and interior design and everything, so... I don't know. I just have a lot of ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, Well, hopefully you can start like an incorporation. Wait, what? A corporation like Emily Eats and then all of them will be little. Whole empire. I don't know how like (laughs) a real estate business would fit into it, but maybe. I don't know. I always say this is kind of a fun business idea. I spend a lot of my time on Zillow, especially during the pandemic, because it's just like a fun hobby to look at houses for sale. And some of the houses are like, they look good on the outside, the bones are good, but just like the colors on the wall are just like not great, the decor is not great. And I was like, you know what? It would be a great business idea for someone to hire me to like kind of refresh their house, not like a full remodel, but just like, let's paint it here and let's get this kind of vibe going because I feel like houses would sell really, you know, much more quicker if people could see what it could be. And I was like, there's a business idea. So I don't know, maybe I'll do that in a couple of decades. (laughs) And there's also ways to do home design in like an eco-friendly way, right? Like sustainable, vegan. I feel like you could do a whole, (laughs) you could start a whole business. The whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's fun. I'm excited to see that in a couple of years. Um, So just, I mean, I've known this from just following you, but also Mm -hmm. like from this conversation, like, you're very inspirational, like you're excited about things mm-hmm. and excited about giving back to the world and not even giving back, but just giving to the world. Um, so in general, who do you look up to? Mm. I've got to say the inauguration was yesterday and just seeing all those powerful women, Michelle Obama, Dr. Biden, Lady Gaga, who I love also, just like very inspirational women. Um, Amanda, who was the poet, um, just truly incredible women. Um, cliche, but I mean, my mom is like, um, my mom is like the closest person to me. I talk to her every single day and she has just done so much for my brother and I, um, with very little. And I just, you know, I, I, one of my biggest goals is like to buy her a house one day, wherever she wants. Like that's my biggest business goal like nothing motivates me more than that because she's just done so much for us and I just feel like you know I owe her that (laughs) she's incredible that's really sweet recycle girl right (laughs) yes recycle girl (laughs) she got an Instagram like a couple years ago because she was like I just want to follow you everywhere and I was like well you're gonna have to get an Instagram but she was like very anti-social media Mm -hmm. um I remember she doesn't like when I tell the story but (laughs) um (laughs) And it must have been when I was 
starting my blog, like the summer that I was working on it before it went live. And I would come home from college and she, I just like be working on my laptop all day. And she's like, Emily, you gotta get off of that laptop. Like, are, you're just like screwing around. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, I, I, she wasn't, she wasn't mean about it. Like she was just kind of joking around, but like, yeah, her kid was like staring at a laptop all day, um, which is funny because it's what I do now. And I tease her about it now. And I'm like, look at what I was able to do from like staring at a laptop. She's like, I just didn't know. Like, I didn't know what you were working on. And I didn't know like even what a blog was. And I didn't know what the possibilities were. Um, I tease her about that and she gets mad. <laughs> oh, that's sweet. Um, okay. So wanted to transition to more like I have buckets of questions, but really they all kind yeah. of mesh together. So like yeah. wellness and life events. Mm -hmm. So I know we touched on this a little bit with the food discussion, mm -hmm. but over the years I have looked to you as an example of body acceptance, confidence, mm -hmm. neutrality. Like I can mm -hmm. remember one photo you posted in a bikini and I was like, maybe I should post a you know, picture like that since mm -hmm. Emily did it. Like just um, anyway, so I've looked up to you. What are some things, um, and if this is like a triggering question, I can also skip it. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. fine. I'm a okay. complete open book. Okay. Um, what are some things that you've done to become more accepting of your body? A lot of it is time, um, really. It, I mean, that low point of disordered eating was 2016. And I'd say like 2018, 2019 was when I was like finally over it, it was definitely way better but I still had like some lingering things in 2019 I took a trip to Italy actually and um you know everything is like doused in olive oil there and that was one of my food rules was no oil that's like a big thing in the vegan community unfortunately and it's something that I try to talk about now um because it has no basis in like nutrition or science but um on that trip to Italy I realized that like I hadn't really cooked with oil or like just put olive oil on a salad. And that trip to Italy was finally like, Oh, okay. I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm eating, you know, olive oil and it's fine. And, and I mean, that was 2019, so <laughs> three years. So a lot of his time, but um, just not thinking about it. That was the biggest thing for me. I, like I said earlier, I went from like thinking about food in my body all the time to thinking about recovery all the time. And I got so sick of it. Um, I mean, I was also in college. So I was like in college and running the blog. Um, so it just, I got really exhausted. And I was like, I'm still thinking about food in my body all the time, just in a different way now. I need, like, I don't have any other interests. Like I don't do anything else. And that's kind of when I started getting into podcasts. I was like 2017 probably. Um, and or I was listening to recovery podcasts, but I got into like different genres and um, I did true crime for a little bit. It makes me way too anxious. So I can't do it anymore, but um, true crime and comedy and um, politics podcasts. Cause that was 2017. So that was right after the election. Um, and, you know, just replacing those thoughts in my mind with other stuff. Um, which is, it's not easy. Um, and you, they still come up, but I just needed to like have a personality outside of recovery. Um, and you know, I was not a great 
person to be around <laughs> in that time because I was really struggling. So I reconnected with friends and just had more fun in college. It was my senior year. So I just like did more stuff. And so I just didn't really have the time to think about food or my body. And then I just kind of had fun living my life and it just kind of happened naturally. Not to say that I still don't have uh, hangups over it because I definitely do even now. Um, But just when you go through that and you go through just being obsessed with exercise and how shitty exercise feels when you're not eating enough. Um, But then you start like living your life and just like eating enjoyable food and moving in a way that actually feels good. And you're like satisfied. You're just like, this feels so much better. And you kind of get to a place. I, or at least I did. I just kind of got to a place where I was like, I, I can't even go back to thinking like, I can't restrict anymore. Like I, you know, I'm, yes, I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but this is of course my healthy weight because it's something that I can maintain while living my life in like a healthy way physically and mentally. So, and also I like, and naturally thin. So it's much easier to accept my body in a society that prioritizes thinness. So I can't speak to people whose natural body size is larger than mine. Um, Cause that is many, many, many times harder than my experience. I'm sure. Um, but I just, I didn't, I didn't want to think about it anymore. And also I think, I'm sorry. Also in that time coming to terms with my sexuality and um, you know, figuring out that I was bisexual and um, finding dance again. Like I had been a, a dancer, I had been a cheerleader and I could never find dancing. And I found that and coming out of disordered eating, I just found a lot of those aspects of my personality again. And that just felt, made me feel a lot more comfortable in who I was and my body and just my person. And I was just like, okay, I feel good. It sounds like it's been a very good journey. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Like sometimes I'll have moments where I'll like, I remember my girlfriend and I were eating, we just like wanted saltines with butter with vegan butter one night for dinner and I was like yeah I don't you know I don't care um and I had a moment of like oh my god I would have never done this like and if I would have done it I would have like killed myself with guilt over it um like I just would have been so mad at myself and it just would have taken up so much brain space so I have moments of like remembering how hard it was like don't get me wrong it hasn't been hard and uh long and just really tough but definitely worth it. Also going through my master's program and just learning more about the science of weight, why we, um, why we um, intertwine it with health so much um, unfairly, I will say, um, how that is like rooted in white supremacy and also just the science of like how hard it is to lose weight and maintain it. Like we, you you just can't do that long-term. Like we just don't have any way for people to do that. And so it, you know, professionally, I was like, I don't ever want to practice, you know, with focusing on people's weight. And in, in that development of like my professional belief, like, you know, you believe that personally as well. 
So you touched on this a little bit about how um, you were coming to terms with your sexuality as well. Yeah. So um, I guess let me start by asking, like, in what ways has your life changed since coming to terms with your sexuality mm. and coming out as a bisexual woman? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say my life has changed in a ton of ways. It just feels like you know, that feeling of like, you take a deep breath and you're just like settled in your body. Like it just, it feels like that again, not to say that I don't suffer from anxiety and like have hard days, but like in general, I just feel very comfortable with myself as a person and just feel like I'm who I am supposed to be, you know? And I don't really know if I have ever really felt that way. Um, and maybe I just wasn't ready for it, you know? And um you know, when you're in disordered eating or an eating disorder, that takes up all of your brain space. So it's not surprising to me that that started to come up once I was starting to recover. Um, I'm sure that that's not an uncommon experience or just to, just to find different parts of who you are and your personality and what you like and what you don't like. Um, but yeah, I just feel very like, you know, it just feels, it feels good. And thankfully I've had it, it, it you know, an easy time with it as far as like family and people around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to hear that. It feels good. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's the thing? And like, um, she's the man where she's like, let the chips fall where they may. Like when you yeah. said that, <laughs> it just oh, yeah. made me think I, of like chips falling where I they're supposed to. That That's such a good movie. I know. I was actually Googling Amanda Bynes the other day just to see how she's doing. But oh. Who knows? I know. I can only I can only hope she's doing okay. <laughs> I know. That's like a uh, yeah. That's a very sad story. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, I've jumped around quite a bit here because oh, things have been good. flowing. Um, okay, so you talked about home design and just design yeah. in general. So I think it's so cool that Emily Eats has allowed you to have some financial independence and buy a house. Yeah. So as like a 25 year old woman, I'm just like, how did you even learn about saving slash, slash purchasing a home? Like, how did that go about? Okay. Well, first of all, I didn't. Um, I have never talked about the home buying process because I, not that I regret that I did it, but I would have, I would not recommend the way that I did it. Um, because I j just jumped into it and it was very fast. It was not planned. And I feel, I do feel like I have, and this is like a common, like anxiety thing that I struggle with is like fe feeling like I'm not doing enough or I'm behind, or I'm not going to be able to do all of the things that I do. And so I do think that there was a little bit that was playing into that. Um, also, you know, I did have a good amount of savings. I wouldn't really call them savings, but, um, I just, I, have a lot of anxiety around money um which is you know very common and I don't like to spend a lot of money so I just had savings and because I was so scared to spend it on like hiring another person or whatever so anyway that's my long way of saying I didn't prepare for it I didn't like plan for it it kind of happened really fast and it was very stressful and I would not recommend doing that that way because I look back and I'm like buying a house was the most stressful, you know, thing that I've ever done. 
Um, there were other life things going on that were very stressful as well, but um, like, I never want to do that again. Like it sucked. Like I hated that. But I think if I had planned better <laughs> and not felt like I needed to jump into it when I did, um, it, I'm, I'm glad that it did because it, it snowballed and led to a lot of really good things in my life. But um, um, I, I would recommend saving, planning, getting pre-approved, talking to realtors, shopping around for realtors, really taking some time. Um, and I did not do that. And it caused me, it probably caused me to like shave two years off my life. Honestly, it was so stressful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I am, I am fortunate. Um, I rent out technically half of the house. So I have two roommates and then I have an office. So the business like pays me rent. It's complicated, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm lucky in that I have help paying the mortgage like through rental um, income, but um, it has been fun and interesting and it's a very old house. So that's like presented unique challenges, but um, you know, very rewarding. And, you know, knowing that I have, you know, a long-term investment is kind of cool. Definitely cool. I'm sure when you moved there, Leo loved it. <laughs> oh my God. He, well, he's only ever been in apartments. Mm -hmm. And then the apartment that I was in before this was on the third floor and it was overlook. I loved that apartment, but it was overlooking a parking lot. And so there was like nothing for him to really like look at and like maybe a bird now. I mean, I just feel like, oh, I love him so much. He's in my lap. Um, his little quality of life has like gotten so much better and he has room to run and I rearranged my dining room recently. So there's like just a bunch of open space because I moved my table to the corner and we can play right there. And he has these big bay windows and uh, the squirrels love my house for some reason. Like we, well, I know why it is because we have a giant compost pile in the back and they love avocado seeds. They love all the things that we put in the compost. And so there's always tons of squirrels. And so they just get to watch squirrels all day. and um you know I just he's got a lot of vertical space and I feel like he thinks he's in a jungle so maybe he likes that but yeah he's really happy too <laughs> it's funny because you're saying like oh the house like took two years off my life and like Leo's probably gained like nine oh, lives Leo's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah he's just like he's been so cute lately like he's just been extra cuddly and like extra playful and I just I get emotional because I'm like he loves himself so much I can never leave you know but it makes me never want to like live in an apartment again because of him like not because of me I could care less but um well I not that I could care less I'm very happy that I have green space right now because of the pandemic so um that turned out to be a a, a plus yeah definitely yeah having outdoor space especially in the summer well you live in Colorado, yeah, so it's, it's probably real nice there. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, it gets it's warm in the summer. I mean, it gets real hot. Um, mm -hmm. Not hot like Louisiana because it's like a dry heat. Louisiana is a humid heat, which is just absolutely horrendous. But I would, oh, I would pay good money to go home now. I haven't been home in over a year, so I do miss I do miss Louisiana and 
um, seeing my family. So hopefully soon, cross our fingers. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Do you, are you classified as a frontline worker? Um, by the hospital that I'm working at, no. Mm. They said that, so I start my clinical on February 1st and they said that students will not be eligible for a vaccine. That's what one person told me. The other person told me that it's random. So I'm kind of entered into the lottery and, um, but I've signed up through other distribution centers in our county um, as a healthcare worker. And, you know, I'll have an ID for the hospital. So, um, but I am participating, participating in a trial and I get my first injection tomorrow. So maybe I'll get the real vaccine from there. So um, yeah, it's kind of, it's been stressful, but um, everyone's doing their best. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so I don't have, to, it's like almost eight now. Do you have time for some more questions? Yeah. Okay, oh, you're on mountain time. So it's almost whatever time, two hours. Yeah, it's behind. six, so it's not a big deal. <laughs> okay, um, what was I gonna say? Oh, I'm curious, what have your favorite parts of decorating and renovating your house been? Oh, it's fun to do stuff like, you know, it's my house. Like, I can do whatever I want with it. Um, I painted, like, an arch behind the TV, which those have been pretty trendy. I just got, like, a really light color. Like, it doesn't stand out too much, but it's just, like, a fun accent. And I'm like, why not? It's my house. Like, I can paint an arch. Who cares? So it's going to be kind of fun. And, um... Yeah, I, I mean, I've always liked DIYs. I like working with my hands and it's provided me like an avenue of creativity outside of work because, you know, when you when you work in something creative, whatever it is, it can be really hard to exercise creativity outside of work because all your creative energy is kind of drained. So it is, um, and, you know, and then that creativity is work, you know, even though it's like a, fun untraditional job it does at times feel like a normal nine to five where people get burnt out and you know for sure so it just provides me like a fun way to be creative that I enjoy outside of work that's great um okay so you moved from Louisiana to Colorado yeah. Um, and I know you're in school or you were in school, so it might be your mm -hmm. answer might be, you know, relevant to school. But how have you gone about creating a community in Colorado? Mm -hmm. Yeah, being in school helped. Um, I, you know, I know everyone always talks about how hard it is to make friends after school. Um, I do feel like I have a lot of friends on Instagram. <laughs> I know that that's like kind of not weird, but just like cheesy. Um, so I, I did make friends in my program and I got really lucky with the people in my program um, and met my girlfriend and like have friends through there and met my roommate. And, you know, we have like our group of friends and it has been hard in the pandemic because I've, the pandemic started in the last semester of college. Um, so I didn't, I, I, been around a limited number of people and haven't like gone out of my way to meet more people but I, I do feel like I have a lot of friends from blogging um you know a lot of friends are 
a lot of people are friends with their coworkers and I don't really have coworkers. I have like a couple contractors that work, you know, with me um, on the blog. But um, so my colleagues are really like other food bloggers. Um, and I wish I could visit some of them, but I can't, <laughs> you know, because we live all over. But um, yeah. Uh, and, and then I have like a few good friends that I still have from like elementary school and high school. Um, but I can't really speak to it because I like got out of school and the pandemic started. So like, who's really making new friends anyway? <laughs> yeah. But I think we'll all be like desperate for social connection after this, like in person. So, and I'm Cajun, so I could literally talk to a brick wall. Um, I think like we'll all be talking to each other at bars and like Colorado, like everyone is friendly and you like say hi and your hike and I won't be surprised to see if like just you end up talking to everyone that you see. Oh yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I live in um northern Virginia though, like right outside mm -hmm. of DC. And oh, it yeah. is funny. Like people well, I did get a dog recently, but people used to say hello on a walk and like they wouldn't mm -hmm. even look at you. Um, you know, it's very much like the northern vibe. Yeah. Um, a little stuffier. Um yeah. but now that I have a dog, it's like you say hello to everyone. And you yeah. know all their names, you know, you know, their dog's names and stuff. It's cute. Um, okay. So this is open ended. Well, all of them are, but what does wellness look like to you? Mm. Wellness for me looks like eating food to fit whatever phase of life I'm in. Um, moving in ways that feel good and being open to if those two things change, um, taking care of my mental health through therapy and taking action on the things that I talk about in therapy, which is hard. Um, and, you know, trying to stay connected to people that I love as best I can, especially right now. Um, and just living by my values and yeah, just trying to fight for those values in the world. I think that that is, you know, that is like holistic wellness. Absolutely, yeah. Because wellness is so much of like how you interact with the world as well. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I like that answer. Um, Okay, so before I close out with like the final few questions, is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. We touched on everything. Yeah, this you is so the whole fun. Life story. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is random and like I'll probably cut it out, but I feel like there's been so many bloggers recently who have had book deals. Do you ever mm. want to publish a cookbook? Oh, yes and no. So writing a book especially I'll speak to cookbooks because that's what I know, I guess, more mm -hmm. about, um, is not the money-making thing that a lot of people think. I mean, unless you're like Chrissy Teigen, sure. Um, and, you know, some other bloggers who have like very devoted followers. It is a small amount of money for an insane amount of work. And I'm not saying it's, it's just about money, but, you know, that is like a big, you know, thing to think about when you are taking on a ginormous work project and, you know, you have to write this cookbook with 75 to 100 recipes. 
um, with deadlines while you are maintaining content creation on your blog and doing you know all the things that you do there. So that's why I would say no. <laughs> but I, I do think it would be cool one day to maybe write if if the if the the price was good and I had the time in my schedule, um, I would love to write kind of like a combo nutrition food book. Um, like I don't ever want to do just a cookbook. Um, I just would love to incorporate like nutrition concepts into the book. Um, but I always have said like, I'll never write a book until I have RD behind my name. Like it just seems, it just seems pointless to me. <laughs> I also never had the time. Like I was, I've been in school since, you know, since I started the blog. And so I would have been doing school blog and a cookbook and no one's ever offered me good enough money to do that. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, I guess just if you're more curious about the process, what I know is that you get in advance and you know that's just like cash up front but that is you know supposed to include groceries so you're testing like 75 to 100 recipes usually at least more than twice or three times that's a lot of groceries groceries if you're going to hire a photographer if you're going to hire a stylist you're going to hire an assistant to help you with all of that um and like your labor and then you have to sell a certain number of books to equal the total of what your advance was. So let's say, let's just 10,000, that's actually pretty low. Um, you have to sell the number of books that equals 10,000. And then only after that, do you earn a commission on those books? Some people don't ever, and it's not like if you don't make up, if you don't sell enough of those books to like, equal the amount of your advance you don't have to give your advance back like that's your cash but if you never sell that many books you never get to make a commission so the advance is all you got does that make sense it's, it's kind of yeah. complicated yeah oh wow interesting do you want me to take that out oh i it doesn't matter i mean it's okay. like kind of general there's a great yeah. podcast um the her blog is called one part plant but she has a whole podcast where she goes through her cookbook process like the behind the scenes and the negotiation and how much her advance was and the crying and the, um so if anyone is interested in like you know learning how a cookbook is made I would highly recommend one part plant a cookbook about that but um, I would say most people never earn a commission on their cookbooks Wow. Okay. Especially with how much, um, how many cookbooks they're kind of having a resurgence. Yeah. Um, cause I've seen like, you know, a ton of my blogger friends or just bloggers that I know of have had cookbooks in the last couple of years or have them coming out. And, um, mm -hmm. yeah, if someone shows me a price that's worth it, I'll do it. But, um, <laughs> not until I'm an RD and not until the money is up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in. Um, I'm a part of. Or I get the newsletters from Girls Night In, and they have like the book club of the month, which a lot of places now do. But they also have, in addition to like um, a not a novel, non. In addition to a regular book, they have like the cookbook of the month too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely like, definitely a lot of cookbook activity out there. Yeah, and then there's also like pre-orders. Is mm. the number of pre-orders determines how many they'll print and like. Uh, 
it, I don't know, it determines like a lot of important stuff. Sometimes you get a bonus if you like sell a certain number of pre-orders. So then you were like always pushing your book so that you can get to that pre-order number so that your publisher will like order more, um, you know, and send more out to like bookstores or wherever. So, and that is again, all on top of like what you're already doing for your blog. Right. <laughs> so it's just, whew, it's just a lot of work for sure. Yeah. I've actually, now that you mentioned that, like I've heard that with the Black Lives Matter resurgence in June or resurgence, yeah. you know, like the, yeah, whatever you want to call it that. Um, and the demand for anti-racist books, they then yeah. had to like print all of the anti-racist books. Mm -hmm. And so just like, it's so interesting, but that's totally different tangent. Yeah. So. The book, I, I, again, that's like the extent of my knowledge about book publishing and that's pretty specific to cookbooks, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's not, if you are like an average blogger, it is like not a, you don't do it for the money. You mm -hmm. do it for like I think not even the experience because as far as I know, the experience is like pretty horrible from what I've heard, but like yeah. you do it for the end result and like just being able to see your work printed, you know, so maybe one um, day. Yeah. I was going to say not to like extend on your business plan, but like you can one day start a cookbook publishing business. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Not that a, makes not it more accessible. Idea. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so this has been lovely. I've enjoyed oh, chatting with you. So, me yeah. too. Yeah. Um, to close out, how can people support you and find you on sure. online? <laughs> yeah. So I'm Emily Eats everywhere. EmilyEats.com. Emily Eats on Instagram. If you want to go to Facebook and Twitter, you're more than welcome. But I've, we're not really there. Um, and Pinterest. We're at Emily Eats on Pinterest. And my name is E-M-I-L-I-E. Um, and if you are a food blogger or you're an aspiring food blogger, you can find us at the Food Blog Academy on Instagram. Yeah, just, I mean, it's our support, like, you know, I think people sometimes forget that small or bloggers are small businesses. Like, yes, we are people, but we are also businesses. And um, the same way, you know, we've been supporting local restaurants during the pandemic and just want to support more businesses. Like, it's great because the way that we can support bloggers is not always monetary. Um, it actually most of the time is not monetary. So just liking our stuff, sharing, commenting, and um, you know, going to our website and looking around and um, yeah, just, just interacting with us. That's actually the best way that you can support us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Thank I will you. stop recording. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you loved the interview with Emily. Like she mentioned, there are several places to follow her and things to do to support her. So make sure to follow her pages and interact with them. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at That's My Truth Podcast. We also have a new website that my sister designed. So thank you. Shout out to my sister. And I hope that you have a lovely week. Um, thank you for listening. I very much appreciate you. And we'll see you next week.